Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Uh, yeah, Trisha Cotham has now gone national. She's been on Fox News. Saw her, uh, she was on Newsmax. Uh, the, Wa- uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, wrote a, an editorial about it all. And oh my goodness, it's just fantastic. It's, I look, I, okay. I'd like to say that I am above the schadenfreude or whatever, however you pronounce it. I want. I would like to believe that I'm above that sort of thing, but let's be honest. I'm not. Like I'm not. I, like there is a part of me that is that is. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, I am taking a little bit of joy in the misery of the North Carolina Democratic Party, and uh, and I don't want to be like that. But I think like. I think we have to be like that. This is uh, read a piece at town hall by uh, Colonel Kurt Schlichter, noted author, columnist, California conservative lawyer guy and um, retired colonel. And um, no, I. Yeah, I mean, he says like about the the new rules, these are the, the norms and when when they get rewritten. If you're not going to adopt the norms to your own detriment, then that's not mutually assured destruction. And that's the only way you get people to abide by norms for the betterment of the society, right? Everybody has to kind of agree that certain things should not be acceptable. For example, the spreading of the rumor uh, about Trisha Cotham, the state representative who switched parties from Democrat to Republican yesterday. And uh, I said... uh, all throughout the program, all over to the uh, on the Twitter machine at Pete Callender. Follow me there. Uh, I've been saying this since the the news first broke Monday afternoon that she was looking to do this. I don't see this as creating any kind of a a major difference in the way stuff gets done in the House, right? She's. I, I don't believe she's now going to be voting in a way that she was not before. She was voting with her fellow Democrats on a lot of issues. I don't expect that to change. I I expect that she will continue voting on, especially like um, LGBT issues, right? But everybody is freaking out. I mean, because that is what the lefties do. It's just, there's like a chip or a switch. It's like, in the constant on position where everything is just, you know, dial it up to 11 out of 10, just over the top theater. I don't know. I don't know why it is like that, but, and why so many people on the left are like that. I don't know if they are on the left because they are already like that, or like, do they, do they adopt those, those tactics by going over to the left? I I don't know. I, I don't know. Chicken and egg. It doesn't matter to me. I just note it, and it is obvious to me. And so you get a lot of this, you know, the the gnashing of the teeth, the clutching of the pearls, the screaming about, you know, the end of days, sky is falling, chicken little kind of approach to 
every single issue, everything is an existential threat, which requires us to do something that they want. Do something immediately, right? Has to be right now. We just got to do something. And it always aligns with their policy aims, coincidentally enough. But I don't think there's going to be any any significant shift in the way stuff gets done and gets voted on and passed out of the House. I think they had a um, uh, I think they had a the Republicans had a what did he call uh, Speaker Moore called it a like a governing supermajority because there are some Democrats that vote with the Republicans on things. It just happened again with the with the budget they passed out of the House. There were like. I don't know, five, six, seven, eight Democrats that, that voted for it. So they, they do get Democrat support. Most legislation, this here's a spoiler, most legislation that actually moves through the General Assembly um, is bipartisan. Yeah, well, the vast majority of legislation gets bipartisan support. There are some items, obviously, that do not, that, that people fall you know along their ideological lines. And this is what Democrats have... Uh, as a party, this is what they fundraise off of, and re- Republicans do it as well. But as the minority party, you are limited in what you can advance, and so you play the the the, the loyal opposition role. And so I, you know, I suspect that. Um, oh, hang on a second. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So I suspect that not a lot's going to change. Tom wants to ask me a question about this. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Good morning. Yeah, yeah. If it's no difference, and you said these are your own words, why would she change? If she's a Democrat, and if it's no difference, mm-hmm. why would you change? Well, what, what what did she say was her reason? I got out of it, and I listened to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. She said people were kind of mistreating her and to her kids and something like that. Something more, more uh, you know, things that were personal attack is what I got out of it, and I don't even know if that's true or not, but I think I will say this and I'll let you go because I like listening to you. Number one, she really knows how to play the political game because by anybody that would make uh, Governor Cooper's uh, majority where he can't veto stuff without that person, that gives them the power. So she actually became more powerful than anybody in the House when she did that, you know, by switching over. I can see that. Yeah, two, I think she would have been that way, though, even if she hadn't switched to your initial question. So then that goes back to why you change one, mm-hmm. half a dozen one way, six dozen the other way. So I just think. It, well, think, but, but I think you've answered your own question, Tom. That's why I asked you why, like what her explanation was for the switch. And what, you. And what, what was my answer? I, I'm, I'm lost. I said about the kids. and Yeah. And right. So, right. Th- these abuses that she says she suffered. From her own Democrat colleagues for for not you know not behaving a certain way, uh, putting American flag emojis on a post. Um, okay. Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, they, and, and uh, like little things, slights, big and small, uh, attacks against her, public and private. Um, the management of you know where she sits, what she dresses like, uh, how long her hair can be, like these types of things. Okay. It's this whole list of things that she ran through and. Okay. If that's the and so if the power dynamic isn't really that different because she could have voted either way and voted her conscience either way, but by making the change now, what does she, what has she done? I mean, yeah, she's getting a lot of fire, but 
Um, she, but it's now all out in the open, you know? And now she could just be attacked as a regular old Republican, and she's right. not going to have to suffer their, the, the Democrats' meetings, and she doesn't have to be behind closed doors with them and suffer these, these abuses anymore. So I think maybe like that may change for her. Okay, last question. Do, do you think maybe Donald Trump need to, and I'll hang up, switch parties and come on over to the Democratic side so they can lighten up on him? <laughs> have a good one. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Well, I mean, he would go back to being a Democrat, right? He would switch back to being a Democrat. No, my, my point is uh, she definitely derives benefit, no doubt about it. She she derives some benefit in, in becoming a Republican because now she's part of the majority party, which means that you know, she I mean, she already has a chairmanship, but she may have now some extra pull inside the party. I don't know. And that's what, you know, it's the politics of pull. Ayn Rand called it right. You, how much influence do you have? But as far as uh, as far as like the votes go, again, this is all based on an assumption that she's not going to now be voting for things that she used to vote against. And she's not going to be voting against things that she used to be for. Assuming like we take her at her word that she's not. She's not changing her views on anything. She just now doesn't. Here's what Ikifu says on uh, Twitter. I think she's right here. That maybe she just didn't want to sit with jerks. Yeah. And what she's describing, what she has been describing over the last 24 hours, there's a whole bunch of jerks in the Democrat Party. I'm not saying there aren't jerks in the Republican Party. I'm just saying she doesn't want to hang out with any of these jerks anymore. And I can tell you if my experience with the ACLU of North Carolina lobbyist, now former lobbyist, because she got herself fired, right? If my experience dealing with her and her uh, and her swarm of moonbats that uh, follow her around on social media, and they're at it again today, um, not attacking me anymore, but I mean these like these people are nasty, nasty, and threatening. And these people are working in the legislative chambers, right? They're they're this the one woman who came after me, right? She was a lobbyist, right? And if that is indicative of the rot and the the vitriol and venom inside the Democrat Party and their activist allies, I wouldn't want to hang out with these people either. There's something else too. Have you noticed? So many so many folks on the left, they're just miserable. And doesn't that get exhausting? So maybe she just got exhausted with being miserable all the time. <laughs> That's possible. Yeah, it's possible. All right, I've got audio. So uh, yesterday uh, we spoke with uh, Brett Jensen uh, from WBT News and uh, host of his program at 7 o'clock. And so he uh, he drove up to Raleigh and he got one of the interviews. They, they doled out interviews with uh, Cotham and he got one of them. Uh, and so he brought the audio back. He played it last night. I've got uh, some of the chunks. I will play some of her responses. She gives some she gives some additional details on some of the stuff. But I also have the audio from the Democrat Party's uh, press conference rally, whatever. Our buddy Scott Huffman was there. The guy who couldn't define a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and lost every race he's ever run. Um, yeah, he was there, too, with the, you know, the demanding that she resign, demanding Trisha Cotham resign. But I got to tell you, it's the first time I saw the new uh, 25-year-old uh, chairwoman of the uh, Democratic Party. Chairwoman? Can I say woman? Would they know what that means? I'm not sure. Scott wouldn't. Um, but the new chairperson. Can I say person? I, I'm trying, I don't want to limit anybody. Anyway, this 25-year-old who is now in charge of the Democrat Party. First time I've seen her uh, uh, publicly speak 
you know, give a little stump speech. And, uh, yeah, not impressed. Anyway, we'll take a listen. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Trisha Cotham appeared uh, on, uh, well, yes, the interview appeared on Breaking with Brett Jensen's show last night, um, but Brett had driven up to Raleigh to do the interview with Cotham after she made the announcement at the press conference. She sat for, I think it was three interviews, uh, and one of them was with Brett, and then he played it last night. So I have some of this audio um, where she goes over the uh, the details, and again, this is from the program. You can go and pull the whole podcast. It's at WBT.com. Um, she is, uh, uh, the first question is about uh, when this all started and, and sort of her reaction to, like, the level of... Uh, of abuse that she was now starting to witness. How surprised were you when all of this actually started from the get-go? I was disgusted. I was a bit shocked, in denial. I could not comprehend that any political party would do this, but especially a party that prides itself on being inclusive, about caring about children, one that talks all the time about violence against women, and yet running ads on me right now, even buying more of an ad buy with me saying the blood is on your hands. They are encouraging violence. I mean, that's a pretty simple subliminal message of what they are doing. The the Vivitrol, the toxicity. Okay, all right. I think Vivitrol is a drug. I think Vivitrol, I think she means vitriol. But I find this I find this to be pretty interesting in that this is the kind of abuse the left has been flinging at the right for decades. Using every single shooting to accuse the right of being child killers while they on the left promote abortion, the thing that does actually kill children, right? Like th- th- these these examples and you're going to hear them. These are not new examples to people on the right. But this was, I guess, her first taste of it being directed at her. This is, you know, I refer to this as Democrat privilege, right? where you, you, you get to say all of these things and you never get this stuff turned on you. But I suspect inside the Democrat Party, as the progressives and the, the crazies become more and more emboldened, it seems like, some Democrats are running up against this now. And I think that's a positive thing because the more people inside the Democrat party see it and have it directed at them, then maybe they will help to dismantle those, uh, those, those organizations and to, to neuter some of these activist organizations that engage in this kind of behavior. I can dream. Look, I, I, look, I'm an optimist. I can dream. The coming to my house, 
Some of my security cameras were removed. I've had to put more up. I've had to have my car checked several times for tags. I've had to have my phone looked into on Friday because there was a hacking. I'm not used to that. I, I It's very unfortunate. It hurts because you would think that just in general humanity, that people would not be hypocrites. And that's what I really believe this is. There's not a goal for them to truly govern, to truly help grow the state of North Carolina, to truly help improve our education system, to support small businesses, to bring in new businesses. Instead, it is about this vivitrol, about this toxicity, this jealousy. And that's very disheartening, especially for someone like me, as you heard in that press conference, I have always worked well with every member. When you're up here, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. I try to get to know every single colleague. I try to walk around. I try to learn and really understand other people's districts to build that relationship. And so when I came back, I started off strong because I have spent many years building relationships. Instead of someone having enough common or business sense to say, wow, I I should learn from her. How does she know all these people? It was women attacking a woman and making terrible rumors, Mm. calling reporters, posting things online Mm. that I'm only able to do the things I do because I must be sleeping with somebody. And that is disrespectful. And that is wrong, and that is hypocritical, and shame on those women in the Democrat Senate and House. Natasha Marcus, she's talking about you, I think. Well, I mean, I know, because she says it later on. But she's talking about you. Yeah. she Like, this is what I mean. She is aware of these rumors that, and, and who is spreading this stuff? This is what the Democrat women are doing to her. Why? Because she had a decade of experience at the legislature. She then got out of politics, now came back, and she has these relationships. And some of these other lawmakers, what did they do? They felt threatened by her, and so they attacked her. And it hasn't let up. Why would you want to be around these people? Right? I mean, how petty, how juvenile, how immature. And these are the people that are like, oh, they're not being, you know, we got to make sure that Trisha fully represents her, her constituents. Is that, are you, are you representing your constituents well by engaging in this kind of behavior? You ran one of your Democrats out of the party. <laughs> I started the program. I mentioned uh, that I understood metaphors. And that was a response, yes, because I understand metaphors. Um. There's a fella named Frank on the Twitter machine, and uh, he posted up uh, earlier today uh, that he says, quote, the Tim Moore relationship rumors are a metaphor for what Cotham actually did, fleeing towards the default safety of the white patriarchy in a moment of weakness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So dumb. Um and so, you know, I 
Because I figured he could help, uh, he could uh, stand for some help with a rewrite to make his point a little bit more succinctly. And so I, you know me, I'm a giver, and so I, I reframed it for him and uh, uh, and and condensed it down, edited it down because you know brevity, soul of wit, all of that. And so I simply said, "quote Spreading sexual rumors about a woman is okay because patriarchy." He mansplained, and that's when he said. That, oh, I meant it as a metaphor. It's just a metaphor. No, no, I, uh, no. I know metaphors. I get metaphors. I understand metaphors. They're like similes. Um, the Tim Moore relationship rumors are a metaphor for what Cotham actually did, fleeing towards the... So first, what is he doing, Right. He gets to present the rumor. He gets to throw it out there, promulgate the rumor that the Speaker of the House is in some relationship with Trisha Cotham. And I guess nobody is asking either of them that, but she addressed it last night in that interview, and she said that it was disgusting, but she said, uh, like, the accusation that she is sleeping her way to the top. That's, that is what she addressed. Now, does that actually rule out the possibility or deny that they are in a relationship? It does not. I don't know. But this is what they're spreading. This is what the left is spreading. And this is just, like, I was unaware of this rumor until, like, 24 hours ago. It is. It doesn't surprise me because the left spreads these rumors about everybody. They do. About virtually everybody. I don't know why they always focus on the sexual rumors. Maybe something to dig in there. I don't know. But uh, they, I, I, I'm not going to go into it. But, like, they, they spread these rumors about other people, Republicans. It is very common. If I'm hearing about it all the way down here in Charlotte, right, then you know up in Raleigh it must just be a complete uh, just saturation level of rumor mongering going on up there. Um, so what does he get to do here? This guy who, by the way, uh, at one point, shot the video because he he runs a video production company or something. He shot a video for Cotham back when she was going to run for when they were doing. Uh, she was uh, debating on whether to run for state superintendent. So a decade ago, and so he he claims to have shot a video. Uh, it never released because she never ran for the office. Um, but he gets to plant the the rumor out there, right? And then he gets to do what? He gets to blame her. And accuse her of, like, essentially, what, like, white fragility, you know, running towards the white patriarchy in a moment of weakness. She runs to the white patriarchy for safety. Yeah, he's blaming the, blaming the victim. That's what he's doing while also spreading the rumor. It's, and this is, like, honestly, is it any wonder why somebody would not want to be hanging around other people that are engaged in this kind of vivitrol. <laughs> right, I'm sorry. It's not vivitrol. It's vivitrol is actually um, it's a prescription uh, to treat alcohol dependence. Did you know that? I knew it sounded familiar. It sounded like a drug. It, it is. It's a it's a prescription. It's an injectable to treat alcohol dependence. And uh, also. Prevent relapse to opioid dependence after opioid detoxification. 
Um, yeah, so Vivitrol. So, um, yeah, I have no doubt that when she talks about, and she mentions some of these things, like she's had uh, security cameras at her house stolen. She uh, had her phone hacked. Um, she has to check her car for tags, which I guess are like these digital tracking tags that you can go up and slap on vehicles to find out where people are going and stuff. Um she said that she had people come to the house. I don't know if that's in addition to the stealing of the security cameras. The targeting of the advertising against her and these these memes and these uh, uh, digital ads that are being taken out. Um, uh, you know, saying she has blood on her hands because she missed the vote. Oh, and by the way, Cecil Brockman is now in the crosshairs for these leftist moonbats. He's a Democrat from Guilford. He wasn't at the vote either. He was sick. And so now he's being targeted. A Democratic state legislator from High Point denies suggestions by detractors that he intentionally dodged a vote that allowed Republicans to repeal the state's requirement for permits for handgun purchases. State Representative Cecil Brockman from Guilford, Democrat, said he didn't have an arrangement He did not have an arrangement with House Republican leaders to skip the vote. This was last week. And he resents accusations that he feigned an illness to get out of the vote. He resents the accusations. That's what they're saying about him. Because he wasn't there. They're saying he made it up. He wasn't actually sick. That's what they said about her, too. They said that about Trisha Cotham. (laughs) I... I can only imagine what it must be like to be around these people. Like, look, what, a couple weeks ago, Republicans folded. They caved on the on Medicaid expansion. How many Republicans were run out of the party over that? None. For good or bad. And I know there are people, you know, they're going to call the Republicans rhinos and, you know, they're not real conservatives and all that. But we, like, and I was having arguments with, State lawmakers and their aides and stuff. We exchanged messages that some of them weren't very kind towards me. First off, like, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. You can say whatever you want. It doesn't matter. I don't care, right? I've been doing this a long time. Got a thick skin. Doesn't It doesn't bother me. Um, and I recognize it for what it is. It is a weak argument that you are trying to prop up when you attack me personally, right? But the stuff that was, like, the attacks were, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's the level of attack we're talking about. (laughs) You're just ignorant of these hidden facts. And once you do these hidden things, then you would, you would be uh, on board. Um, uh, Or uh, you are, you are ineffective, Pete. You're just a, you're just a little old radio host. No one cares about anything you say. And so, um, uh, you you know, you don't move policy. You don't uh, affect change. And so your opinion on this stuff doesn't matter. That's the level of insult I was subjected to inside the uh, in the debate over the Medicaid expansion from the right. That's the level of assault. No one was accusing me of wanting to murder people. (laughs) 
All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustan Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? A couple of messages here to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com regarding the topic of Trisha Cotham and her switch from Democrat to Republican. Um, this is from Judd, who says, the Democrats ask... Did she betray her constituency? The real truth is the Democrats betrayed her. She has every right to declare whatever party reflects her beliefs, regardless of what the Democrats demand of her. And Joseph says Trisha is uh, finding out that these are not the Democrats of her parents' party. These are the fruits of the long march. They can dress up as good old Carolina folk just looking out for working Americans, but underneath that facade is a hammer and a sickle T-shirt. Twitter is where they let their masks slip. And that really is one of the reasons why I am still on Twitter. Um, I don't really do a whole lot with the Facebook anymore. Um, But uh, I recognize the value in keeping in touch with people via Facebook. I do. But uh, I don't do a lot over there anymore. Um, I'm here. I'm on Twitter. And I think that's enough. (laughs) So, uh but the one of the biggest reasons I'm still on Twitter is that it is show prep for me. And it is also, as Joseph said, it's a place where you get a peek behind the mask because it does slip. It's one of the worst things for reporters, Twitter has been. One of the worst things. Because reporters, people in media that pretend to be one thing in public, when you only get a limited sight of them, expose themselves for the exact opposite on Twitter. You get, you you get, um, there are people that are reporters in North Carolina that I think try to do a good job. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to give them the scarlet letter of my approval, but I think, and by the way, I don't have to agree with their politics. I don't. There are reporters that I know their politics are of the left But they try to do a good job. They try to be objective. And I can appreciate that because you want different different mindsets in a newsroom, right? When you're going out chasing down stories, you want people to approach the story from different perspectives and to to have different story ideas and, and, and to be able to get different answers to the question, what is news or is this story newsworthy? And so you have a debate whether to devote resources to go cover a story or not. And there are people right now, like, you know, the, the story now with Trisha Cotham, um, the left is making all sorts of accusations. It's our little state version of Blue Anon, right? These conspiracy theories. And they have all sorts of them. And they're all being spun out on the Twitter machine. And what I would point out here is the notable lack of fact-checking. Yeah, you're not seeing the politifactors, uh, uh, the the 
you know, the, the people that say, you know, I'm I'm here just to, to fact check Republican. I'm just kidding, but that's what they do. But the yeah, the fact checkers at the at, at McClatchy and WRAL, like, where are you guys on this stuff? And I say that as a person, I don't know the answer to these questions. I don't, but she Cotham mentioned these accusations in the interview she did yesterday with Brett Jensen. So obviously she is aware of this of these rumors. So how about a fact check on it? How about you know, like people say she was paid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lefties are out there saying that she was paid a whole bunch of money that she was bought and paid for somehow. Where'd that come from? I will give credit to um, uh, Josh Bergeron, I believe is how he pronounces it, over the Charlotte Observer. I, I don't know anything about him. I actually don't even think I've ever seen his byline before, but um, he edits local government, politics, and education news at the Observer. Former editor of the Salisbury Post, which I believe is located in Salisbury. But he did a write-up on um, all of her, uh, Trisha Cotham's voting record. Where she vote, how she voted on all these different pieces of legislation, and you can see, like her votes are what they are. They're not. She's not a radical Republican. She hasn't flipped to be a conservative. I think a lot of Republicans are hoping that she's going to be, and you're going to be disappointed. I think. But good for them for at least doing the research. Maybe some lefties will kind of read it. I don't know. It's in the Observer. 